ho, ho. Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I am your host, Santa Claus, and I am here for this special, festive, non-religiously linked occasion. You see, I was asked by my good friends, Edward Obadiah Webb, Dixie Casserole Cochran, and Matthew Trotsky Dawkins, if I could host on this very special day, because after all, all of us know that this time of year is a special time of year, especially for children, and you are all, in a way, my childer, my children, and I don't think that's strictly how the story goes, but it is how the story will go for this episode, which, of course, as is my want, is entirely improvised except for some vital questions submitted into Santa's heaving mailbag. Unfortunately, it is so heaving that I am not able to reach every single question that was submitted to me, and I am sure that will leave some of you upset. Well, take it from me, that is because you have been bad this year, and do not deserve to have your question asked. But on the flip side of that, if your question is asked, it means you have been good this year, and deserve my attention. Better luck next year to you losers out there. As you know, it's a busy time of year for me this year. I spend much of the time, of course, making my elves make all kinds of toys, and you won't believe how difficult it is to obtain the license to make things like Nintendo Switches, the role-playing games that are owned under license, and so on. But I still get the elves to do it. It would arguably be easier to contact a printer like Lightning Source to produce the role-playing games for me, somewhere like Canada, for instance, but... I think that my elves, they appreciate a challenge, and so we just provide them with the in-copy files and tell them to print them themselves. There are middling results. It is probably better to go with a store like DriveThruRPG or Indie Press Revolution for quality, but this is my workshop and my rules apply. Nevertheless, it is a busy time, it is a busy time, and with that in mind, I should probably get to some of these questions, shouldn't I? While our usual hosts are sleeping, I will be answering your myriad of questions and seeing how long I can maintain this foolish voice. I'm not sure who it's supposed to be, or why indeed Santa Claus always has this almost Brian Blessed-like voice, but this is the voice that I have been bestowed, and therefore it is the voice that I will be using. So, on to the mailbag. Let's make a vague shuffling sound. Uh, it's a shame I don't have a bag nearby. Oh, here we go, here we go. Wait, wait. Oh, there we go. Look, we're looking in the mailbag. Oh, oh I just found something. Uh, oh, it's some dice. Um... It's a gaming bag. It's a bag that I would take to my regular gaming group in a time that is not strewn or stricken with pandemic. The first question, all of these submitted anonymously, might I add, so uh, that does mean you have a certain amount of freedom to send insults in. 
though I know who you are. The first question is, any more Wraith 20 content for us restless hopefuls? Now, what a fine game to start a Santa's mailbag episode on. Is there truly a more festive and joyous game in our catalogue than Wraith the Oblivion 20th Anniversary Edition? Well, I do have some good news for you, Kitty Wink, and that is that there is another book on the horizon for Wraith 20, or more accurately, for Ghost Hunters. But you will be pleased to know that this book has a lot of creatures in, all of them wonderful creations, the kinds of things that would come off the end of my dark and macabre conveyor belt in my factory run by elves. For your World of Darkness games, this is the Paranormal Investigator's Handbook. These monsters that fit in here not only could fit in games of Wraith, but also into games of Vampire, Werewolf, Mage, or Changeling. Hell, if you were feeling particularly adventurous, you could fit them into a game of Mummy the Resurrection and be the fifth person to play it. When it comes to Wraith the Oblivion, I, of course, am a big fan. Being a saint, I know something about death. And Wraith... <laughs> In Wraith, there are so many individuals who have died before their time. Now, in the Paranormal Investigator's Handbook, not only are there new agencies that you can join and play as, there are new powers you can wield, and, as I mentioned, new monsters you can throw at your players. I am personally a big fan, but I do happen to know the developer of the book, and he is, therefore, uh, slightly biased in his reporting to me. One of my favourite elves. Now, I will say beyond that, you may be wondering, where is my book of the guilds? Where is my Wraith Beckett's Jihad diary? Well... If you and your friends happen to buy more copies of Wraith the Oblivion 20th Anniversary Edition and its assorted books, such as the Handbook for the Recently Deceased or Book of Oblivion, it may well be that we will be able to make more Wraith-specific products. But we do need to see people asking for it for Christmas, or more accurately, putting money down to purchase it. I am more than happy to work on future Wraith products if the finances justify it. Yes, I know this makes Santa Claus sound awfully capitalistic, but this is the society we live in. Ho, ho, ho! Now, what is our next question? And I'm supposed to maintain this voice for an hour. Ah, ho, 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 kill me now. The second question. You you may be wondering when uh, Dixie and Eddie are going to start speaking. And Matthew, of course, because he isn't here. When is he going to start speaking? Well, they genuinely aren't here. This is a one-man show. I have been locked in this place and made to record this mailbag without any help at all. They will lie to you, children. They will tell you that I volunteered for this task, but they are made of deceit. 
Our second question, will there ever be miniatures released for the Scarred Lands campaign setting? Hoo, 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 what a fantastic idea that would be. Now, I will say that as well as that being a fantastic idea, logistically it would pose some problems. You see, we are set up at this time as a company that produces books and virtual tabletop uh, products. You can indeed get many of the Scarlands products right now, from the Creature Collection to all kinds of published supplements available via virtual tabletop, such as the Foundry. And all kinds. When it comes to producing physical miniatures, it requires a different kind of logistical enterprise, a certain amount of investment, and a an interest from the customer base for that kind of product to justify the overheads. Do stop me if I'm sounding in any way unchristmassy. With all that said and notwithstanding, it is something we would love to pursue. But it is also something that we would need to justify, much as with the Wraith question. I think it is more likely that you are going to see an increasing amount of scarred lands, legend lore, and all the way through to They Came From and Pugmire and more games on virtual venues than it is that you are going to see physical miniatures. But don't rule it out entirely. There is always the possibility that we could go into the idea of 3D print designs, blueprints or whatever they call them, so that you can print your own scarred land miniatures. Wouldn't that be something. We'll have to see what the new year brings, but the idea excites my baubles. <laughs> oh, how they tingle. Now, I should have a brief break in the Santa's mailbag just shortly to tell you all something very important. You see, my elves at Onyx Path Publishing have been working so terribly hard over this last year. Not just this year, but the last ten years. You see, Onyx Path is approaching its ten-year anniversary, and we would be delighted for you to write in by email or comment on the blog on theonyxpath.com with your thoughts of what Onyx Path should be doing for year 10 of its business. It was set up in 2012, and 2022 is just around the corner. When it arrives, well, what changes will it herald? We shall see. Question three in the mailbag. There we go. Is a nice simple one. Neil, naughty or nice? I assume this refers to Scion developer, although developer of many other books too, not least of which he was the co-developer of Beckett's Jihad Diary, and some say the main mover and shaker on that book, though don't believe a word of it. Is he naughty or nice? Well, let me check my list. Let's see. Hmm... Oh, Neil, you've been very, very naughty. Mm, very naughty indeed. Well, I hope that answers your question, whoever submitted that one. Neil, I'm afraid no gifts from me to you, but that may be a mercy given you know the kind of gifts I deliver. So... <laughs> <laughs> Next question in the mailbag. 
Next question in the mailbag for Santa Claus, and that's who I am, don't forget. It isn't just a usual host putting on a ridiculous voice and seeing how long your patience as a listener can hold out. My sack is falling all over the place. It happens with age. Uh, you know, you sometimes need to wear a jock strap. What era, and what I have to say here is uh, I'm particularly pleased with the spelling of era on this question to Santa because it's spelt in the uh, in the eon uh, kind of a way. What era in Trinity Continuum would you like to see next? Not necessarily existing ones, but just ones you'd like to see. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Well, that's a good question, my little... Uh, what, what's another word for a child? My little child. <laughs> What era would I like to see? Well, of course, I am very excited to see Trinity Continuum Aether released. I understand the team on that book did sterling work to to evoke the late 19th century, which, of course, was when I was coming to prominence in my current form. Uh, Obviously, Coca-Cola hadn't got to me yet, but... I was very important in the late 19th century. Just ask Charles Dickens and everyone else in uh, Victorian England. But if I was to look away from my own profile and why, what or what, yes, where, uh, what era or location would most appeal to me for the Trinity Continuum, I have heard all kinds of rumblings on discords and forums of individuals speaking about some kind of ancient Greek or Hellenistic trinity continuum. That sounds quite appealing. I enjoy the idea of it. I wonder how well it would work. I I can't think of any reason why I wouldn't. But as with all things in this fragile role-playing game industry, the next book's success is very much determined, in some ways, by the success of the prior one. And therefore, we will have to see how books like Aether do before we make further decisions for further Trinity Continuums. But I think that kind of era would really appeal to me as a role-player. I'm role-playing right now. The next question was, I was a good Garou this year. Will Gaia leave me a nice present in my can? Well, I have to say that the dirty, dirty lupines that I've encountered, the kinds of gifts they leave behind for others, are the kinds of things that you would usually bop a dog on the nose for. Once I had a faithful hound, I found it left me a gift in my slippers one Christmas morning. So, if you were a good Garou this year, I think I can leave you a nice present in your cairn. The kind of present that you won't easily forget. Hmm, yes, yes. Do look out for the upcoming Howls of Apocalypse. It was a stretch goal for Werewolf the Apocalypse, the apocalyptic record. It contains scenarios for Werewolf, and I don't believe we've ever published a pre-written scenario for Werewolf before, so it's quite exciting. There are going to be three different scenarios of very different flavour, and at least a couple of them do deal with the kinds of nice surprises werewolves might discover. The next question. 
How do you stay motivated to keep writing a project? The beginning and end seem very clear, but the middle is pretty tough to trudge through. What a good question. Not really asking for a gift as such, but it is a good question. How do I stay motivated to keep writing a project? Well, there's a couple of elements to this, dear listener, dear child. And the main one, the main one is the desire to get to the end. You see, what some developers do <laughs> uh, and during the course of a project is they will plan out their goalposts, their deadlines, as it were, their various points that they want to hit. And by doing that, you can quite easily stay motivated. What do I mean by that? Well, it can be something as simple as saying that by this day I will have achieved this much, by that day I will have achieved that much. It can also be by saying that I will have... Uh, made various decisions on a certain point by a certain point by setting yourself certain targets it can keep you motivated it's a nice simple trick it works for everything from writing essays and dissertations to writing books as well if you are faced with nothing but a blank page as we all know that is the bane of any writer but as a developer you have lots of pages that have been written for you by writers, and now you need to know how to order them. I start by reading through everything. Just slowly but surely, take your time, read through it, get a feel for the text. After you've done that, now you can start making those marks, making those deadlines, those targets for yourself. Once you've done that, you can then start fitting various things in. Another simple trick, and this is a very, very simple one indeed, get the organisation out of the way early. This is everything from amalgamating drafts from multiple authors that go into one chapter to renaming files so that you know which order the book should go in. All of that can truly help from an organisational standpoint. From a creative standpoint, one of the best things you can do is run a game. Run a game for people you trust, people you like. If you have a Patreon, run games for your Patreons. So that's what they pay for. But in short, get a feel for the guts of the game. Work out how it works. Work out what is good and what is bad bad. And once you have worked those things out, you can go into the development of that book with a clear head and a vision. I hope that helps. Our next question is, if you were to create a They Came From The Silent Screen, how would you handle characters who could be seen but not heard talking? That is a very good question. A very good question indeed. It appeals to me because I am a big fan of the They Came From games. I happen to think they're some of the best games we make. And They Came From The Silent Screen poses its own kind of challenge, does it not? Because cornerstone of a lot of role-playing games is the ability to communicate with each other. But let's not deceive ourselves, children. We can often describe our characters' actions without putting words in their mouths, and sometimes that can lead to comedy, and a lot of silent movies were comedies, though not all, and... Just through action, just through slapstick, just through being able to sneak up on people without sound being conveyed, that kind of thing. 
you can do exactly the same thing with suspense and drama. Because you are not communicating things through words, you have to get creative. Now, there's various ways you can do this through the system with things like the tropes. I wouldn't go heavily on the cinematics, but having various actions that characters can take in silence that allow them to convey more than the role player is potentially able to. Uh, quips would be a challenge, but quips would just have to be altered somewhat. Rather than being funny quotes, they would be funny actions. Some kind of, uh, if you imagine something someone would do repeatedly like uh, a silent movie trope, which would be a quip in this case, is the rubbing your eyes because you don't believe what you see. If this is something your character often does, well, that happens to be a quip for you. Uh, that, that kind of thing. I think, while I haven't put much thought to it, I think that it would pose an interesting challenge. I would love to see it developed further. By all means, whoever submitted that question, get in touch with me uh, via my mailbag, or failing that, uh, matthewdawkins.com. You can get in touch, and we can maybe have a discussion. I cannot guarantee it is something Onyx Path would want to do, but it is definitely something you might pursue for the Story Path Nexus. Next question. If you could set a story path game in any existing fictional setting or licensed property, which would it be and why do you think story path is a good fit for it? Not looking for what licenses Onyx Path might chase. Imagine this is for your home games. Hmm, another very good question. If I could set a story path game in any fictional setting or licensed property, which would it be and why do I think story path is a good fit for it? Well, I am uh, of the opinion that... And I have often evoked this. Uh, I am a big fan of the Metal Gear franchise by Konami, Hideo Kojima and his team, and I have often found that the idea of uh, shadow governments, of covert operations, of Foxhound, where if you think of a game like Metal Gear Solid, every single member of Foxhound has some kind of special ability that is perfect for a role-playing game, works very, very well for a, a, a TTRPG. In terms of story path, well, I'm now sort of thinking they came from classified style because in they came from classified, not only do you have your archetype path, such as quartermaster or the like, you also have a uh, cover identity as one of your paths. Now, rather than doing that, I would probably have a secret agenda path for something like Metal Gear. But if I was to think outside of the box a little, because I've spoken about Metal Gear before, and let's go outside of uh, let's go outside of our usual video game chatter to discuss these kind of fictional settings or licensed properties. Let's look at a TV show that was truly very popular at one point. Let's go for The Sopranos. Why The Sopranos? Because there's a staggering drought of gangster games. Now, misery merchants like gangsters aren't terribly nice people. They're not on my uh, list for presents, I can tell you that. But people do seem drawn to the gangster movie and television genre. 
Therefore, if you were to have the story path system, and again, story path system largely focuses around that path side, the origin, the central path, whatever it happens to be, role, society, archetype, and usually some kind of ambition or secret agenda or something like that. I could well see different gangsters fitting into those molds. What would make it particularly interesting is the hierarchical side of it, because much like games like Ars Magica or um, Pendragon, other games, a troop-based game, Mummy the Curse, of course, you could have characters that aren't on the same level in the hierarchy. And what that means for gameplay in terms of things like attitudes, connections, relationships, and so on, would be quite interesting and appealing, I feel. So there's a there's a shot from from across the port side. Now what else do we have here? Oh, ho, 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 yes, I am still somehow doing this voice. I feel it has wavered somewhat since we started, so let me get back to my original Santa Claus voice. I need to I think I go, need to go a bit deeper and a little, little less posh. <laughs> um, I, I'm struggling dreadfully maintaining this voice, but I will, I will endure... I will endure. Our next question is, is it true Matthew gained his writing prowess by being bitten by a radioactive fountain pen? Oh, we have a true wit writing these in. Well, no, it is not true that he gained any writing prowess by being bitten by a radioactive fountain pen, though he was bitten bitten by a radioactive fountain pen. Unfortunately, as I say, it gave him no writing prowess whatsoever. That came from being bitten by a genetically modified biro. Next question is, what genre, romance, mystery, fantasy, etc., do you feel is underrepresented in the TTRPG industry? Well, I would have said gangsters, but uh, being Santa Claus, I'm going to... Well, I'm not going to say fantasy, because uh, I think there's quite a lot of fantasy in the TTRPG market, but there's a... I always feel there are different ways of approaching fantasy. I, we're doing that with They Came From The Cyclops' Cave in the new year, and I look forward to seeing what you think of that. But in terms of what's underrepresented, one has to look at the, I guess, uh, the usual gamer group. What do people want out of a game? Because while one can look at something like romance and say it is underrepresented because it is, one also has to question if one were to make a new romance game, would the majority of people play it? Would it be a worthwhile investment and so on? Sometimes you can make projects, I suppose they're often rather cruelly called vanity projects, where you make them regardless of the expectation. And in that case, something like romance would be perfect, especially if one were to pursue, let's say, a period uh, drama romance, Jane Eyre kind of a thing. But I'm going to opt for mystery. Because there are some games that do mystery spectacularly well. One could argue that Call of Cthulhu is the original mystery game. Trail of Cthulhu, arguably, handles the mystery aspect of it even better, because clues are more like, I guess, objects you're guaranteed to discover than things that are arbitrarily ruled by the whims of the dice gods. 
But mystery in the Sherlock Holmes sense, where your characters are, by nature, investigating Jonathan Creek, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Agatha Christie-style murders and, and grand thefts and so on, is something I would love to see more of. Not uh, not that our games at present can't already do it. The story path system has a wonderful investigation system, and a lot of Trinity Continuum games that I have played have been largely based around mysteries. In fact, uh, Mr. Webb, who usually co-hosts this show, believes that the vast majority of role-playing games are mysteries. But something where the mystery is central and your characters are essentially problem-solvers in that regard is something that would appeal to me a great deal. Next question. Beauty and the Beast. What fresh scenario ideas can you come up with based on that classic story? Extra points if you can think of ones for multiple different Chronicles of Darkness lines. Well, that's a, an interesting one. I'm not overly au fait with Beauty and the Beast. It's been a long time since I watched the animated version and haven't seen any version since. But what I vaguely recall is there is some kind of earl or duke or prince who is locked up in a castle because he has turned, been turned or cursed into the form of the eponymous beast. And a young woman from the town or village near this castle ends up, I guess, falling into his clutches, discovers he isn't the monster she thinks, uh, a roguish male goes off to try and snatch her back and win her hand, but he's doing it for arrogant purposes, he is in fact the villain, the beast turns into a human at the end, everyone's rather disappointed, because the beast no longer has a beast cock. Now... My, that was my recollection of Beauty and the Beast. What fresh scenario ideas can I come up with based on that classic story? Well, there are so many. There are truly so many. And when looking at the different Chronicles of Darkness lines, one doesn't have to restrict oneself to Beast the Primordial. Far from it. The Beast, in this case, could be any monster that craves solitude and fears their effect on others. Promethean, especially, would be a fine version of especially uh, as uh, the Promethean grows closer to the humans in the village, and Belle, that's the, that's the young woman's name, uh, it would allow the Promethean, the created, more uh, avenues into humanity. Uh, likewise, while Gaston doesn't have to be a hero in the Beast the Primordial uh, sense. He can be any kind of hunter, truly, uh, who believes that what he is doing is right, or can be a completely different monster that is attracted to Bell. I could very easily see a uh, created in the castle, or a Sin Eater, indeed, bound there via a haunting, mix it up with a little Casper the Friendly Ghost, why not, and have Belle be a mortal, some kind of anchor. What, meanwhile, there is also a vampire that is infatuated with her, that is following her to the castle. Now, at this point, it is very much a three-player game, and it's very PvP, but you could have Belle be, let's say... A curious mortal and have your uh, bevy of Chronicles of Darkness protagonists hold up in this castle, a castle Dracula if you will, where they go about let's say fighting the contagion and uh, or you could even have Belle be uh, let's see, a one of the lost 
she doesn't understand why maybe she's put most of her experience in the realm of the true fae from her mind and so she doesn't know why she is drawn so much to the monsters in this castle but she is and so she approaches the castle and there she finds more monsters more like her they could be changelings they could be something else and of course there is the huntsman in this case who is our gaston cow who wants to take her back there we go and so our protagonists are the beasts in this case although not necessarily primordial and there we go uh, now next on to the next question <laughs> can i be let out of this box is the next question now i assume this question came somehow slipped into my magical sack from one of the usual co-hosts don't believe him listeners when he tells you that santa claus in fact hijacked this podcast and locked him in a box that is not what happened at all frankly i'm amazed that his hand could reach that far from the box to my not that he's in the box but if he was in answer to your question you bad bad boy no you cannot be let out of this box until the hour has passed and this voice is seared onto my vocal cords and tongue Oh, my family are going to love me this Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. Our next question. Could Onyx Path kickstart their own version of D&D Beyond? I love having all of my rules and features sorted and easy to find at the table. Again, another fantastic idea and a wonderful request sent to us via the Santa's mailbag. Having something, obviously we can't do this for the storyteller or storytelling system, those are owned by Paradox, but doing something like that for the story path system is in fact a sterling idea. Something where story path is entirely automated and available via some kind of app or website is a fine plan indeed. We already have a version of it via various virtual tabletops, as I mentioned before, uh, especially sites like the Foundry, but I very much recommend putting that question somewhere other than on this podcast. Uh, maybe submitted to us via email, uh, via one of the many emails on theonyxpath.com, because I think there's some legs to it. Now, the big question that comes into this kind of thing is, where does one host these things? How, who does one pay to make these things? And so on. But having a Kickstarter for a version of it isn't a bad idea. So let's see what comes of that if you submit that forward. Wonderful question. You have been a good child and deserve all the presents in Christendom. Ho, 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 ho. Of course, if you are not in Christendom, then you deserve nothing. Uh, don't worry. Uh, while I am maintaining this Santa Claus persona and have somehow gravitated toward being the Christian Father Christmas, I am, of course, a multifaceted entity based in all manner of religions and mythologies right now i am krampus and i am here to take you and stuff you into my sack so what's our next question what is something new you would like to see happen in 2022 well child what i would like to see happen in 2022 
Onyx Path related, so I'm not going to give some holistic, oh, world peace, cure the pandemic. No. Something I would like to see happen in 2022 is I am very excited to see what comes of the uh, sponsorship deal we have with the MST3K. That's Mystery Science Theatre 3000 Group. You see, they are launching a new season of their fantastic show where they criticise movies and provide hilarious commentary over the top. And they are linked to Onyx Path Publishing in this coming season in myriad ways that will become clear. I want to see what comes of that, because I am a big fan of MST3K, and I am a big fan of Onyx Path Publishing. What would happen when the two combine forces? Is it going to be like Skeletor and He-Man, or Skeletor and Hordak? Or is Skeletor not even a part of this? Who knows? We shall see. Oh, and I'm back. Because that version, the Krampus voice, puts a greater strain on my vocal cords than Santa Claus. We soldier gainfully on, 37 minutes in. <sighs> and there are more questions, more questions to cover. I feel I'm turning into, if I have not already been, some kind of Christmas carol ghost. Ooh, but uh, maybe I died during the recording of this and have just yet to realize it's certainly likely <clears throat> the next question dear unspecific holiday entity yes i am wearing a mask you can't tell who i am which being from Onyx Path Publishing owned game or licensed game are you? Example, True Bruha, Deviant, Nova. That is a wonderful question. I think you will find that I am a monster. All in my own right, what one might consider a threat, and you can even find me in a StoryPath Nexus product called They Came From The North Pole. <laughs> That's right. One of our developers, Michele Masala, has made a StoryPath Nexus They Came From product using the Beneath The Sea rules for Christmas movies. And not only is it accessible and purchasable, it is also incredibly readable and is filled with fantastic art. You will find me in there in my various forms, but in few of them am I someone nice. The next question, which fictional holiday from one of the Onyx Path Publishing games or another would you like to attend and why? That's a very good question. What what fictional holidays exist in Onyx Paths games? I have no doubt that we have littered them about the place. I'm sure there is a coronation or jubilee event in the realms of Pugmire. I am sure that there was probably some kind of national day of celebration when Stalin came back to life and they came from beneath the sea. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go for a classic. I would love nothing more than to have attended the Convention of Thorns, where the Camarilla was first founded, where the Anarch Revolt was shut down, and where uh, Vikos uh, did something obscene, as I recall it. But I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to experience that. And 
maybe one day I shall. You see, I am an eternal being. Uh, when someone suggested earlier that I was a true bruja, they were nearly correct. I am, in fact, an arisen from Mummy the Curse. That is how I am able to be in so many places at once. I'm all over the place, you see. The next question, as we enter our fortieth minute... Oh, is will there ever be a V20 actual play on this channel? Well, I assume you mean on our YouTube channel or Twitch channel for Onyx Path. Now, there, there is certainly every possibility of it, but at the same time, one has to reconcile the fact that V20 is the previous edition to the current edition of Vampire the Masquerade. Therefore, it is unlikely that we will be supporting much in the way of Vampire the Masquerade 20th Anniversary Edition products, as no new ones are going to be produced. In terms of actual plays, well, uh, if there is a group that wishes to put together a V20 campaign and host it on our Twitch channel, they can get in touch via MatthewDawkins.com or via my mailbag, <laughs> and we can have a discussion and see if it can fit into our schedule. But predominantly, we promote the actual plays of the games that we are currently selling. We are, of course, still selling our historic catalogue of V20 products, but it is not the current edition of the game. And as unfortunate as that is for some fans of V20, it does not restrict you from playing it, buying it, or indeed making your own actual plays of it. Uh, unless I, Santa Claus, turn up at your house and steal your V20 books away, uh, which I could very well do. I am a well-known cat burglar. Now, I steal mince pies, carrots, milk. Uh, it's, it's well known. Uh, one could say that people leave them out for me, but uh, to be honest, even if you don't, I will still raid them. I feel I am entitled. I travel a long way at that time of year, this time of year, and therefore I need nourishment. It just so happens that my nourishment comes in the form of alcohol and confectionery in a pastry. I was never a big fan of the more Victorian tradition of putting actual meat mince in pies. It bloats one uh, severely, but give me some sweet mince in a pastry crust. I will eat millions of those before the day is out, and I don't put a pound of weight on. Uh, well, uh, that's what I say, anyway. Uh, so, anyway... <laughs> Uh, uh, we have more questions to go, children. Uh, at this point, I wonder if people listening to this point are just wondering at which point I'll have a breakdown. And um, this next question is, will there be a sequel to Beckett's Jihad Diary? Ooh! Tiwanawanga. Will there be a sequel to Beckett's Jihad Diary? Well, that would of course require it being published for V5. Luckily, Beckett's Jihad Diary, 99% of that book is system agnostic. Uh, there is a little bit of system in there for Thin Bloods, but most of it is essentially can be used for any edition of Vampire. Now, that means can we release one under the V5 banner? 
That's a very good question. That would entirely be up to Paradox Interactive as they own the license and likely Renegade as the primary licensee involved in the publishing of V5 products. Will there be a sequel to Becca's Jihad Diary? I would certainly hope so, though Becca's Jihad Diary does a very good job of covering absolutely everything from the Metaplot all the way from 1991 or thereabouts in publishing terms, through to when it was published in the late, well, in 2018-19, or whenever it happened to be. Therefore, uh, one would have to wonder what would appear in a book the size or content of uh, Beckett's Jihad Diary. I suppose it would be a lot of V5 metaplot. I, I could see an argument for it, but again, it would be largely be up to Paradox in the great scheme of things. Send an email to Paradox and Renegade, make the request, and tell them Santa Claus sent you. <laughs> that will make them take you seriously. Ha 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 just a handful of questions left, and then I will be mounting my reindeer, no, I will be mounting my sleigh and flying off into the great hereafter. Would Santa be able to kick Odin ass in a death match to decide who is the best old man? What do you mean, old? Uh, yes, uh, unfortunately, I've got uh, cholera uh, and typhoid, uh, as well as being eternal. I'm eternally diseased and therefore always racked with great illnesses uh, that riddle my body. And therefore I think that Odin, not being uh, vulnerable to these things, would probably take advantage of my frailty. I am but a jolly man in a green or red outfit, depending on your era. And all I want is for the children of the world to be happy. Odin, however, goes around killing things, and therefore I think he has the advantage in a death match. In one respect, however, I do have a lot of disposable elves to send as my vanguard. And they can fight furiously. Just ask Mrs. Claus. Now, the next question. If you... Each say praise set on air. I'll make a donation to a charity of your choice. Praise set. That was easy, wasn't it? And as the, there's only one of us, I guess that means you make a donation to a charity of my choice. Now, I should have thought of this in advance, but I will make a choice. If you could make a donation, Sutek, to the Naomi House Hospice, that would be hugely appreciated. Naomi House is a hospice for children. It is built very close to where I live, and as hospices do, it is involved in the taking care of, providing a as pleasant as possible life for children with terminal illnesses. And that being a very sad reality, uh, also comes with the reality that they are always in need of funding. It is a time of year that, of course, is given over to festivity. But let us not forget that there are people who are unhappy at this time as well. And there are people who struggle at this time as well. I recently posted on... Uh, I'll drop the voice for a moment. I recently posted on my Twitter 
about all kinds of mental health uh, charities and groups that you can get in touch with at this time of year if you need them. And it is vital that if you are... And vital is the word. That if you are struggling at this time of year, and or if you know someone who is, you can help them by giving them the details of people they can speak to for free and who will counsel them for free, even if it's just to listen. And that runs everywhere from the Samaritans to whatever your local uh, helpline happens to be. They're often easily found with a simple Google search, and so I won't recommend a plethora of them. You can find them, and some are more appropriate than others. Uh, Some will be able to direct you to local... Uh, facilities or experts some will simply be there on the other end of a phone to listen to you why i mention this in this otherwise uh, jolly episode is because this time of year can be damn tough for people uh, in all kinds of aspects of life and all ages as well so if you are someone who is struggling especially at this time of year don't think you're a burden by calling someone who is there to help you. They are there to help you. You are not a burden. The reason they do what they do, the reason we volunteer, is to help people. And therefore, you can do a... You you can really help yourself by picking up a phone and speaking to someone for, uh, you know, five minutes all the way up to however many minutes you need. It will help. And in terms of charities, thank you very much, uh, the Church of Set, for getting in touch and asking about making a donation. I mentioned Naomi House because it is one that's local to me. Uh, We also always promote the Bohana Group, uh, which deals with, uh, well, games uh, used in a therapeutic way, and that's a fantastic charity too. I mentioned the Naomi House because it is local to me. I do know someone who um, has been there. And they do wonderful work for children in need. And, uh, yeah, if you have any coins to spare, um, by all means, spare them to make some child's Christmas a good one, especially if they are in a situation where they need a fantastic Christmas. So, thank you very much for raising that. And uh, back to the jocularity now. Oh, (laughs) thank you for inviting me back. We have two questions remaining, and one of them is, tell me the story of your first TTRPG session. Oh, if only we had the time. Uh, Let's see. Well, let's let's be as authentic as possible here. What was my first TTRPG? My first TTRPG session was playing Hercules and Xena, The Legendary Journeys. And uh, once again, I'll drop the voice because this isn't Santa's first TTRPG session. Uh, With only 10 minutes to go, I don't think I could make a riveting, improvised first TTRPG session story. Uh, I probably could, actually, but uh, I'll stick with mine. Uh, So I was supposed to be... I was obviously into Baldur's Gate, D&D, and so on, and so that was what I wanted to play. And so I turned up at the local social club where games were being run every weekend, every Sunday night. And I turned up there on the wrong week. D&D was being run every other week. 
and Hercules and Xena was being run every other week. They were alternating on that table. Other tables were running games like the Morrow Project, Run Out the Guns. Uh, there was a, uh, it was the early two thousands, and uh, so I wanted to play D and I turned up on Hercules and Xena Day, so that was my first TTRPG. And the first character I played was an androgynous acrobat character who was useless in combat, not very good at stealing things, but very good at doing flips. And I remember that part of the scenario was all about getting into a uh, warehouse of sorts or a store of sorts and stealing something from under a uh, provincial lord's nose. And the players were all very happy that an acrobat had joined the group. I was given the character. I didn't write them. And uh, I spent most of that session just drawing my character on the sheet because I didn't I was was new to role-playing. I didn't know how much I needed to push myself forward. I was doing a fair amount of spectating, but I was also just sketching my character whose nose just kept getting larger and larger. It's funny the things you remember, because I don't remember the finer points of the game, but I certainly remember that. And it came to the point where we needed to break into this storehouse, and so I did my somersaults and trapeze work and vaulted over beams and so on. Obviously all very uh, popular architectural features in ancient Greece. And when it came to grabbing the loot and sneaking out again, my character was absolutely hopeless. Unless I was pirouetting, somersaulting, cartwheeling and vaulting over horses, I wasn't stealthy. If I was just trying to sneak, I was crap. And so I had to, I basically role-played that the only way I was going to get out subtly with this bag of coin or whatever it was, a vial of ambrosia, was if I did it in an extravagant and ridiculous fashion behind these guards' backs. And so while the game wasn't the greatest game I've ever played by any means, it was memorable because the GM set it up in a not non-punishing way, you know, the GM wasn't there to make my life miserable and say, "Well, you're a new role player, so this is how you fail." And I've seen so many GMs do that. Instead, they were very charitable and allowed me to do uh, essentially a, what was a comedy routine. You would have the the guards there, their backs to the warehouse, they're there chatting, and in the background you can basically see me flipping behind them, grabbing the gold, spinning around, and break dancing basically on my way back to the window. And that was fun. That was fun. Uh, it, but it was also... <laughs> it wasn't what I planned. And so the next week I did play Dungeons and Dragons and my first ever character was a 13th level rogue. It was ridiculous. Or thief. I can't remember now. Uh, anyway. Oh! Now, the final question in the mailbag before I must start delivering presents to the worthy. When it comes to licensed books like your world and Chronicles of Darkness stuff, does the initial idea typically come from you or from the IP owner? Another fantastic question. It comes from us. 
we have to make pitches at Onyx Path, and those pitches might go to Paradox Interactive, as an example, or historically they may, might have gone from, to Modifius for V5, that, that kind of thing. And the licensor has to agree to them, has to say whether it's a good idea, whether they want something changed, whether they want to reject it outright, or whether they want to sit on it for an indeterminate amount of time. And... After that, they will hopefully give us the thumbs up and we get to make the book. Sometimes these things turn around very quickly, sometimes they don't turn around at all and they just languish. Uh, this is the nature of dealing with a licensed product. It isn't an indictment on any particular company. Uh, now, one could argue that there is there would be more benefit from the licensor giving direction as to the kind of books they want to see, but most licensors don't do that. Uh, it is often written into the contracts that it is up to the licensee to make the pitches and for the licensor to approve them or dismiss them. And that is pretty much that. So when it comes to World and Chronicles material, Onyx Path might make many pitches that customers are completely unaware of, and those pitches will just wait until they get the thumbs up. Sometimes those pitches do get the thumbs up, sometimes after a long, long time where we've almost forgotten about them. Other times they will go and get turned around immediately with a yes. They might get turned around with a yes, but, or they might get turned around with a no. So it comes from us, and believe me when I say that we have made pitches in the past that haven't been approved, we have made pitches that have been approved that you don't know about. There are all kinds of shady dealings in the background that you won't know about because we do not have the right to tell you about it. They're under non-disclosure agreements until the books reach a certain point. And that is how it works. So, listeners, thank you so much for humouring an old... Elf like myself, I've forgotten what I am now. In fact, I am a dozen elves in a Santa costume because we hollowed him out, ate his insides, emulating the crab folk from they came from beneath the sea, to finally take the means of production from this red, ruddy-faced, white-bearded old tycoon and return the toys to the elves who made them, who deserve them. The revolution is here. The revolution has come to the North Pole. And may I say that it is a bloody red Christmas for us. Who? <laughs> Crack open the liquor cabinets, my fellow elves. We will be celebrating for this non-denominational Christmas time. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 many worlds, one path card. <laughs>